on this episode of Sex and Healing. From my spiritual perspectives, every label that we have, every understanding of ourselves that we have, essentially takes us away from the truth of who we really are. Because who we really are goes beyond description. There is no hiding. There is no pretending that you're okay. There's no harboring resentment. There's no jealousy. There's no nothing that can go unnoticed. And I'm the girl that is fearless to love. I have received so much love and I've experienced so much love and I never, ever, ever thought I would have been afraid of loving. dominate someone else also puts you in an extremely vulnerable position just as vulnerable as it is to be submissive it is equally as vulnerable to be dominant so being submissive in and of itself is scary and then being in love and being submissive is scary and then on top of that neither of us are monogamous Welcome to the Sex and Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Kiner, and thank you so much for joining me as we take a wild ride together through the realms of sexuality and healing. So today's episode is a bit off the cuff. It is unplanned and unscripted, but it's based on an amazing conversation I had this morning with my lover. So I thought it was a great time to share a little bit more about myself and a little bit more about the way that I choose to live or yeah, I choose it. <laughs> but it's it's also me and I feel a bit choiceless in some ways. But I want to share a little bit more about our relationship as well. So for those of you that know astrology, I am very Piscean. So even though I have a Cancer sun sign, my moon is in Pisces in the 12th house, which is also the house ruled by Pisces. I have Pisces rising, so my ascendant sign is Pisces. And I have Neptune conjunct the midheaven. So Neptune is the ruler of Pisces and it's sitting right there at the very peak of my chart, which is like my my purpose line or your career line. And it's what you hear in the, it's the flag that's waving at the top of (laughs) the chart. And it's ruled by Neptune, which is the ruler of Pisces. And Neptune as a planet is a gas planet. So it has no boundaries. So if you are heavily influenced by Pisces in your chart, like me, then you have these very strong influences of the collective consciousness of the the oneness of us all. um, It's kind of like the culmination. It's the 12th astrological sign in the astrological wheel. So you go through this entire journey of learning about yourself and learning about others and learning about your place in the world. And then it all comes together in the 12th house in the sign of Pisces. So I have this energy dominant in my character and my personality, and it's about the everythingness. The opposite of Pisces is Virgo, and Virgo is about the tiny little details and getting into the nitty-gritty, and Virgos love to label things and categorise things and have an order and a place of things. But Pisces' energy is opposite to that, so it's about 
we're all in this together. It's about me being able to feel everything and everyone, extreme sensitivities. Um, we can be the crybabies. <laughs> we love to cry. I'm obviously a triple water sign with Cancer Sun, Pisces Moon, Pisces Rising, and I have a grand trine in water as well. So I have these extremely emotional parts of my character. But why I think this is relevant here is because I don't like labels. How can I be defined by a label if I recognize that I'm everything, that I have this potential for everything inside of me? So even though today we're going into labels to a certain degree, it's not really my comfort zone to be talking about labels because it's not how I understand the world. It's not how I understand myself, but I can see that they have a valid place in the world. So when I think about using labels, I can see how from the everythingness of existence, they can help us define who we are and understand who we are, and they can be incredibly empowering. So you might be going through life, having a certain life experience, and then someone helps you identify something. So maybe you do a personality test, maybe you do epigenetics, <laughs> maybe you learn about yourself and your sexual expression. And you realize that there's a label that defines that, that makes you understand yourself. And all of a sudden, when you put that context around you in the big nebulous everything of energy that we exist in, when you have that container, that context, that label, that boundary around you, all of a sudden, everything seems to make sense in a different way. And it's so empowering. It just makes you feel so understood and defined in the world and that's an amazing place. That's an amazing, empowering experience to have. But what can happen is that as we continue to evolve and grow, that we can then be limited by a label or a box or a definition or whatever it might be. And so labels have their place in the sense that they can be empowering, but they can then also limit us. So ultimately the journey is to go from everything into that clarity of understanding who we are, and then to continue going beyond that and realize we're not an identity. I am not just this thing. I am this and more. So my personal resistance to labels comes from that place of recognizing that they have served me and it has helped me understand myself and it has helped me learn and grow. And I love that and I'm grateful for that, but I don't wish to end there because from my spiritual perspectives, every label that we have Every understanding of ourselves that we have essentially takes us away from the truth of who we really are because who we really are goes beyond description. It, I, as Erin, am way beyond being a triple water sign or being a Cancer Pisces Pisces or being bisexual or being submissive or whatever those labels are, there is so much more to me than that. But for the purpose of understanding and for the purpose of communication today, we're going to get into the labels. And this is where they are really powerful because they do offer context and they do offer understanding. So in our conversation this morning between my lover and I, I really saw myself, I saw the challenges and the opportunities that I'm facing right now in a much more distinct way than I had before. And that's thanks to labels. <laughs> so I'm going to share some of those labels with you today. So some people would say that this is a lifestyle that BDSM or the power exchange relationship that I share with my partner is a lifestyle. And I can absolutely understand it in that way. And I can see how people identify it 
it that way. However, I don't see it as a lifestyle. I just see it as part of what makes up Erin. So in that context and understanding, <laughs> I am bisexual. I am mostly submissive. I am non-monogamous and I'm falling in love. <laughs> and all of those things as a standalone thing is challenging enough in the world. But what I love about our relationship is that we have a fearlessness in facing ourselves and meeting ourselves and learning and growing about ourselves. So we are both very, uh, so my partner has four planets in Scorpio. So you can understand also, if you know a little bit of astrology, how intense that is. That's also very water dominant. It's very, very intuitive. It's very feelings and emotions based. And it can also be very psychic. Um, water signs in general can be very psychic and intuitive. So I would say that we're both psychic, even though he would probably never define himself in that way. <laughs> he wouldn't put himself in that label, but he probably would be comfortable saying that he is intuitive or he uses his intuition. But through my perspective of the world, we're both very psychic. And so we're very, very connected on the mental layer, on the emotional layer and the energetic layer as well as the physical. So we can really read what's going on for the other one, whether we're communicating about it or not, whether we're in the presence of each other or not is irrelevant. We can actually feel each other and we're very attuned to what's going on with the other. So whenever we have something between us that is difficult or challenging or inharmonious, unharmonious, unharmonious, <laughs> we both detect it. We feel it immediately. There is no hiding there is no pretending that you're okay. There's no harboring resentment. There's no jealousy. There's no nothing that can go unnoticed. And so when we recognize that that has happened, we dive in and we address it and we have amazing communication and we have a lot of presence with each other to talk about things. So it's not talking about it, going around on the merry-go-round, trying to deal with the same stuff all the time. My theory and what I bring to the relationship is we do it once and we do it well. And that means that we get to address the disharmony between us and the source of that disharmony. And then we do what we need to do so that we never need to face that issue again. And of course, some things will take some time to resolve, but essentially, if we can understand each other better and communicate more clearly around it, we don't need to be tripping over the same things all the time. So today was an opportunity for us to resolve some of the stuff that had come up between us and I have a, a tendency to both experience anxious attachment in my relationship style and secure attachment. And I can really feel myself when I flip between the two. When I feel in my secure attachment, I feel this solid, solidness inside of me, this groundedness and this stability and this ability to weather whatever storm might be outside of me. But if my anxious attachment is activated, then I feel really shaky on the inside and it's an unpleasant feeling to have anyone that has anything other than a secure attachment, which I think would be most of us. And we'll actually talk way more about attachment theory in other episodes because it is probably, in my humble opinion, the single most important factor in healthy relationships is our attachments. And if we haven't had secure attachments with our parents in the way that we were raised, then we all have some faulty attachment styles and that shows up in our relationships. So anxious attachment 
for me is the desire to get close to someone and to hold on tight and know that they're not going to leave me and that I'm not going to lose love. And we have this inherent fear that we love more than they do, that we're going to lose the love that we're experiencing. So whenever that gets activated inside of me, I was like, look, I'm shaking on the inside, but I know that it's my stuff. I know that it's my stuff and I can ask for the reassurance that I need, but I also have to look at the behaviors or the choices that I'm making that might unnecessarily be activating my insecurities and not become dependent on someone outside of myself. Yes, reassurance is good, but it's not the solution. The solution is to continue to do the work inside of myself. So we have big discussions around any time that I might be feeling insecure and being in a poly relationship adds another layer of complexity to the work. So let's dive into each of these individually. So I would identify as bisexual, as submissive, mostly as poly and falling in love. So what's happening now is I'm falling in love and I have experienced so much love in my life. I have had many soulmates. I have felt that deep soul connection love and I'm so fucking grateful for that. I know some people have gone their entire life experience without even feeling a drop of that depth of love and I have had many soulmates. I would say probably five people in this world have loved me. We have shared that depth of soul level love and I'm so, so grateful. But I'm a deep person. (laughs) I'm a complex person. There is a lot to me. And in fact, I, I had this post on my Instagram the other day talking about the six different types of divine feminine and there was the divine mother, the warrior, the dark goddess, the lover. I can't remember what the other two were, but I thought, fuck, I'm all of that. I actually can bring forward the energy of all of that. I can absolutely be the warrior. I can absolutely be the divine mother. I can absolutely be the divine lover. And many people on the planet wouldn't understand that. They might identify with one or two or maybe three, the archetypes, but there wouldn't be too many that feel fully associated with all of them. And so then if you apply that principle to my character in general, and I have a very deep and complex mind and I have a very deep and complex heart and the ability to love deeply and I am very sexual and I'm very spiritual, often when I meet people or have these connections with people, they meet me in part of that spectrum. And so we might really share an amazing sexual connection, but they're not spiritual. In order for me to have an amazing sexual connection, that would imply that we have a great mental and emotional connection because those are two prerequisites for my sexual experience. But with someone else, I might have an amazing mental connection, but there's no emotional or there's no physical and there's no spiritual. Or I might find someone that I really meet in the heart space, but our minds aren't quite aligned and we don't quite have the same mental Uh, values or agility, you know, whatever it might be. So I've had many, many life experiences where I'm like, I love you and we meet in this space and we share this, but you don't really understand this or this about me. And that's absolutely okay. But this is the first relationship that I've had where I feel truly seen and truly met in every single part of me. And in fact, he continues to want more and more and more of me. And I don't have to block out parts of myself or not that I'm blocking it out, but, you know, putting it to the side and accepting that maybe we're not going to play in those realms. 
And so now being in a relationship where I feel fully met and fully seen, I'm fucking terrified. (laughs) And I'm the girl that is fearless to love. I have received so much love and I've experienced so much love and I never, ever, ever thought I would have been afraid of loving. But the intensity that this relationship holds and the potential and the capacity that this relationship holds scares the shit out of me and that activates my desire to run away. There's a panic inside of me of how powerful this could be and how much worthiness I need to embody to be able to be in this relationship. And so it shines light on all of your shadows and all of your insecurities and these other parts of yourself. So falling in love in this scenario, although I don't feel madly in love, for the first time in my life there is no madness, which is awesome. I always thought falling madly in love was a wonderful thing. But there's an instability in that and it's often related to trauma and trauma bonding and, you know, each of you having these woundings that's being satiated or, or calmed by the other one. So you're bonded together in that unhealthy way and it can feel a bit mad. You feel like you're going a bit crazy. And, you know, I could just feel so unstable within myself the whole time. Whereas this love experience doesn't feel mad in the slightest. It has such a stability and a calmness. And my partner is has very secure attachment. And that means that me, as a little piece of Velcro, looking for my other piece of Velcro in the world that I want to stick myself to and then feel safe and know that I'm loved and know that I'm okay, there's no corresponding piece of Velcro in his energy field that I can attach myself to. <laughs> if he's a smooth, smooth surface and I'm a bit of Velcro, you can imagine like that's fucking scary. I'm like, please just like attach to me. So I feel safe, but it's so healing because that activation of my anxious attachment can't be reciprocated. So yes, that forces me to face my stuff, but it also creates this amazing space for growing and healing. So falling in love, it definitely comes with that feeling of falling. I can't deny that. Like, I feel like I'm slipping deeper into love into vulnerability, into fully being seen, into fully sharing the depth of my delicate, tender, precious heart. And each time I feel that, that that we're moving closer into that state comes that panic and that fear and that want to run away (laughs) and and terrified of the pain of losing it, which is such a future-based story and irrelevant because here in the present, everything is beautiful and amazing. And when you're in the secure attachment, you can just appreciate that for what it is. But being in love is a minefield. And for any of us that are choosing to open our heart into love, it is always going to show you the parts of yourself that feel unworthy of love and feel wounded from past love experiences. So being in love is a minefield, a beautiful growth allowing painful minefield. (laughs) And then we can talk about submission. So my partner and I are in a power exchange relationship where he holds the dominant energy and I am the submissive. And this is the first time that I've gone that deeply into the energies of power exchange. And in so many ways, it satiates me on a level that I never knew that I could. It's like, recognizing that I've had this need inside of me, a need, a genuine need inside of me to be submissive that I didn't even know that I had. So I was existing through life 
with this unmet need, but that had become very normal. You just normalize it, you adapt and you tolerate it and you don't even know. And then when you start to get that need met in a healthy and profound way, oh my God, it's like being the thirstiest you could ever have imagined being and drinking the most beautiful, divine, perfect glass of water. That feeling of being satisfied on a level deeper than you ever have before is unbelievable. And then you realize, fuck, I've had that need my whole life and haven't realized. So even though on some level I might be, I might have been naturally submissive, my life experiences created me otherwise. So it's an interesting conversation around nature and nurture and whether submission is inherent or whether it's something that we've learnt because I'm also an alpha and I also am a natural born leader and I am very assertive and dominant in many areas of my life. But in this love relationship, I absolutely love submission. So what I'm learning about myself is that I have always had this devotional heart. I have loved to give and love to serve my whole life. And I even remember being a child and saying to my mum, like, mum, can I do anything for you? Can I serve you? Can I, can I make you a cup of coffee? Mum, like I just wanted to, to show my love in that devotional service oriented way. And it's always been like that. I've always loved to care for the people around me in that way. But now I have a place where I can pour that love into someone that truly recognizes it for what it is and values it in that way and loves to receive it and then take that energy and pour it straight back into me. So it's this reciprocal exchange of energy is that I get to serve and use my love and my devotion and my submissive to someone that I hold such deep love and respect for, who holds such deep love and respect for me who also gets a need for dominance met in that very structured and consensual and love-filled and respectful way. And we both know our place and we both know our role and we both know how to meet the needs of each other and we both know how to meet our own needs to show up as the best version of ourselves so that we can have the best exchange experience. So that journey in and of itself is its own painful but growth-inducing experience. It is absolutely fucking terrifying to go deeper and deeper into submission because essentially what I'm doing is I am stepping away from the errand that I know that I identify in the world, the boundaries that I put up, the walls and the protection that I walk through the world with at all times, and I am making myself completely vulnerable. I am allowing myself to merge energetically into someone else, someone else's mind, someone else's heart, someone else's energy. I am trusting implicitly that that energy, that that person can hold me, that can take care of me, that can lead me into experiences, that can help me grow. But essentially I'm handing my power over. And again, that's fucking terrifying. Like that would never be okay in the world and in what I'm going to call vanilla relationships, even though I don't really like defining it that way. But if we were just looked at mainstream relationships in the world, they don't have that element of complete unguardedness that is required for power exchange relationships and BDSM. There is often an unwillingness to look at ourselves or parts of ourselves that we still keep 
closed. And like, no doubt some mainstream couples say, no, we're, we're fully transparent with each other. We're completely vulnerable with each other. And yes, that's the case at that level of operation. But when you drop into the levels of power exchange and dominance and submission, it's just a whole nother layer of vulnerability and transparency and willingness to look at yourself. You cannot avoid yourself when you are so extremely vulnerable. And both of us put ourselves in a vulnerable position. To dominate someone else also puts you in an extremely vulnerable position, just as vulnerable as it is to be submissive it is equally as vulnerable to be dominant. And we both step into that environment with a willingness to see ourselves and look at our stuff. And when I look at the the faults that I see in other mainstream relationships, it's it's often that, a lack of self-awareness, a projection onto others. Uh, There can be like conflict, even violence, emotional violence. There can be uh, avoidance and denial, and there can be hiding and there can be secretiveness. And in a really, really well executed dominant and submissive dynamic, that's impossible. <laughs> you cannot go to those depths of experience. And for me, those depths of sexuality and those depths of pleasure and that energetic experience, if you're not willing to face yourself and take self responsibility and awareness. just taking a little pause in our chat here to share with you about our amazing sponsor Maeve. There is no shame in your pleasure. In fact, it is about time that your sensual satisfaction becomes part of your everyday health routine. Maeve, the app is a whole audio library of sexy stories, guided sessions and sound experiences created by top-notch writers and experts in orgasmic living and brought to life by the most sultry voices and soundscapes. Fresh audios to explore your self-pleasure, but also to spice up your intimacy with your partner are added weekly. Use the code ERIN20 to get 20% off your yearly subscription. Details can be found in the show notes. Now let's get back to it. So being submissive in and of itself is scary. And then being in love and being submissive is scary. And then on top of that, neither of us are monogamous. So we then have to take the fact that there's other people involved. So although I have had great periods of my life where I'm monogamous and I have periods of my life where I'm poly and I can see myself again shifting through that spectrum, context-related, context-relevant, dependent, I guess, I, it is a part of who I am. I don't wish to be with one person only for the rest of my life. I do not wish my body to only be touched by one person for the rest of my life. I do not wish for my heart to only be touched by one person for the rest of my life. And I do not wish for my mind and my spirit to be touched by just one person for the rest of my life. Even though I love the de- the depth of bond that I share with one person, I cannot see myself being fulfilled by that for the rest of my life. And there are times like now, as I'm still just establishing this relationship We met in May, so it is now November. So what's that coming up to six months? In this establishment phase, I could not imagine sharing my heart and mind to this depth with someone else. There's too much happening in my current relationship of foundation setting 
and getting to know each other and getting to know our dynamic and how we wish to express and working through what naturally comes up that I couldn't imagine adding another layer of complexity. Once we have a more steady ground and we're established in that, I could see myself absolutely having space for a female partner in my life. And so that brings in then that layer, the additional layer of being bisexual. (laughs) Oh, my God. So many labels, so much complexity. But what it takes to be all of these things at once is such incredible courage and willingness to look at myself because being poly means that my partner has other partners and other lovers and can hold space for having multiple partners at one given time without jeopardizing meeting the needs of each of us as individuals. So I, we have had that experience where I can feel that in order for him to share his energy with someone else, that there has been no subtraction from me. Up until now, many of the poly situations that I've been in haven't been executed to that level of awareness where you can wholeheartedly maintain your connection with me and share with someone else. And what I see most commonly in other poly dynamics where there's lots of triggers and there's lots of jealousy and there's lots of insecurity is that it's often triggered by someone withdrawing the energy, the attention away from one in order to then focus and give to the other. And I think we've all felt that at some time in our dating life, in our relationship life, where we feel like we're in the spotlight and we're getting our needs met, we're getting all this attention and this love and this desire, and it feels so good. And at some point that starts to fade naturally, that starts to stabilize or normalize a little bit. And then someone else comes along on the scene and all of a sudden they get the spotlight. They're the the center of attention and all the love and attention is going that way. And you feel the lack, you feel the that you're no longer getting your needs met. And so I see a lot of poly relationships around me operating on that level, unfortunately. And it is often in these circumstances specifically that I'm talking about the female partner that has a male partner that is just chasing lots of other women and they feel the lack and they feel unmet and they feel jealous and insecure. And that's not to say that I haven't had to battle with a sense of jealousy and insecurity, but what I also have is this experience of having my heart prioritised, that my emotional well-being is not jeopardised, that my connection and the energy that I can feel and the place that I hold in his life and his heart and his mind is not jeopardised. And he has had the same experience with me, that I am able to share my focus and my time on something else in my life without it ever jeopardizing the experience that I have with him. And as we've been working through the jealousy and the insecurity, you know, I've reached a place where I know I'm happy for him when he gets his needs met in other places in with other people. I feel really good about that. I don't feel challenged by it. And I have that feeling that I know that he's always going to come home to me that there is a sense of home that we share and that as he goes to experience different things with different people and energies that I don't provide for whatever reason, like as much as I offer, there's still experiences that other women, other energies, other characteristics, other nature that he can experience with others that he can't experience with me. And, of course, 
if that's satisfying, I want him to have that experience. And in some ways you feel alleviated of not having to do that or be that and know I can just be wholeheartedly myself and that's enough. That's what we share. We share ourselves wholeheartedly and this is where our correlating energies are. This is where we work harmoniously and anything outside of that, we're both liberated of having to meet that need for the other or feeling inadequate or feeling obligated or feeling challenged. So despite the fact that we've got all this amazing common ground, of course, there are still other energies that other people offer that bring value to his life. So when I think about him going out and having these experiences and then him coming home to me, it's not that this is his principal place of residence. It's not that I'm the primary one and that makes me feel good. It's just that when our time is our time, it is so our time and I know it feels so good. And so I said to him recently, I've reached the place where I feel so good that I know that no matter how far you wander or when or how that you are coming home to me. And he said, I'm really glad you feel that way, baby, but it's not true. <laughs> I don't come home to you because I never leave. And it's true. It's true. He doesn't disconnect from me in order to hold that connection with someone else. And that is just so amazing and so healing. So the nature of being poly means that we're forced to look at ourselves and look at our insecurities and look at our judgments and look at our worthiness and look at the way that we might compare ourselves to others or compete with others or, you know, society, I think, for most women has made us feel like we need to be chosen, that we need to have that person choose us at the expense of all others or if they choose someone else that we miss out. And so I think there's some societal conditioning in there for all of us that we're in competition mode for love. We're in competition mode for attention and we're trying to make ourselves desirable and we're trying to make ourselves show up as perfect and we're trying to make ourselves show up as attractive in order to climb to the top to get the love that we desire or otherwise you miss out. And I think all of these distinctions that I've made about myself today, bisexual, submissive, poly, and being in love, can all be executed at a low level of consciousness. They can all be executed in ways that are destructive. They can all be an opportunity to hide from myself or the opposite. They can all be executed at a very high level of consciousness. They can all be executed in full transparency and willingness to face myself. And they can all be used as an opportunity for me to grow rather than for me to hide. So inherently, poly is not good or bad. Inherently, submission is not good or bad. Inherently, being in love is not good or bad. Inherently, bisexual is not good or bad. But all of them have that potential to be a bad experience in your life or a good experience in your life. And that entirely comes down to you and the way that you choose to approach these things. So being bisexual is something that we've not touched on too much in this conversation, but essentially there are needs that I get met through feminine energy and there are needs that I get met through masculine energy and having such a large spectrum inside of myself of masculine and feminine and dominant and submissive means that it's, unlikely that one person's going to meet me the whole way along that spectrum. And so now I can get this very masculine experience through my partner and he has got a beautifully developed emotional body. He's got a beautifully developed connection with the feminine. So I can get a lot of my feminine needs met there, but there's also a, an ability for me to be so feminine 
and want to be so feminine that he can't really meet me there. Like I could go so deep into uh, conversation and analysis. Like I love to talk and I love to process. And with him, we keep that very purposeful. We don't just talk for the sake of talking. He's not wanting to be engaged with me if I'm just, I don't know, talking frivolously about life. That's not a satisfying experience for him, but it is for me. I love it. So I have that with my female connections, this ability to just be in that talking and the analysis and the, the emotionality and like those very feminine kind of experiences that I have. And I get to go and have those extremely masculine experiences and have that strong provider dominant energy in my life with him, but not at the sacrifice of all of my feminine, which is fantastic. So that essentially is my monologue (laughs) on what it's like to be so complex. And, you know, as I said, that context and that understanding those labels helps me understand myself. It helps me get my needs met. It helps me discern who are appropriate partners to have and who are appropriate lovers to have and who are appropriate friends to have and how I might be able to distribute my needs across multiple platforms. So it's what my partner and I call having a bullpen, which is a baseball term. So on a baseball team, there are two players per position except for the pitcher and there are 20 pitchers per team and that's because pitching is a highly specialized and demanding role. So if you know that you have specialized or high or demanding needs, that's no fault of you, even though the world tends to frown upon us if we're needy. Seeing the, being, being seen as needy is often not a positive thing and we might have felt very shut down and ignored and denied and judged and shamed for being needy in our lives. But actually, when you're a deep and emotional and complex person, it just is what it is. We call it needy, but I don't really like to use that word because of its connotation with being something bad. But I have a very high emotional need and I have a very high sexual need. And my partner is the same. He has a very high sexual need and he has a very high mental need. And Actually, I would also go to say that I have a mental need and he has emotional needs. We're very deep and complex people. And when that's the case, it's not wise to put all that need on one person and say, you're now solely responsible for meeting my need because we're in a relationship together. It is better to have multiple sources of getting that need met so that should one person say, I need a break, And that's what my partner and I negotiate and navigate. Sometimes I need a break from his sexual needs. Sometimes he needs a break from my emotional need. And all of that's okay. It's not a reflection of how much we love each other. It is not a time to question whether we're loved. It is just a recognition that sometimes we need a break. I need a break. He needs a break. But that doesn't mean that we have to then go into lack because we have multiple sources of that energy. So if I look at my emotional need and my my need to verbally process and my need to talk, my need to be really seen and heard, if I place all of that on him or if I go to him for more frivolous things in my life to get my emotional needs met, say I'm having problems with my family, if he's the one that I turn to, at some point I might max his ability to meet my emotional need and he will need to take a break. So I have to be mindful of that 
and I choose to use him for the emotional needs related to sexuality because he is the best one at helping me process anything regarding the realms of sexuality. So when it comes to dealing with something with my family, it's better for me to go and use my friends who understand the family and they might understand sexuality to a degree, but it means that I'm not using up his emotional capacity for things that I could potentially get met elsewhere. And that means that that emotional reserve that he has available for me at any given time, that I get to utilize him for the most important emotional needs that he's best at helping me navigate. And that would be any of the emotional stuff, the mental and emotional stuff that comes out of our sexual experiences and our sexual exploration, because that is a minefield. That is absolutely a minefield. And it's designed to be like that. BDSM is designed to make us look at the parts of ourselves that society tells us we shouldn't be looking at. And it can be trigger central and it can bring up feelings of shame. It can bring up feelings of judgment. It, just so much. We'll dive into that in another episode, I'm sure, many, many times. <laughs> but having a bullpen to get your needs met means that you are never without. You no longer have to look at yourself as, as if there is something wrong with you for having high needs because there's not. And when I look at all the successful people on the planet, the people that I would recognize as successful and the people that I would look up to, I could almost guarantee that they all have high needs. The reason that they stand out and the reason that they're doing something big and significant on the planet is because they're different. The qualities that make them different are the qualities that allow them to go and achieve these things that are way beyond the normal spectrum of human achievement. And that would mean that their needs and their being is way beyond the normal human spectrum. So my emotional capacity Yes, it's big. Yes, I've been needy. Yes, I've gone a long time without getting my emotional needs understood or completely met. But that also gives me this amazing emotional capacity to utilize in my work, to utilize as a healer, to utilize on this platform, to touch the lives of others, to help hold space for others that are going through grief, that are going through trauma, that are going through navigating deep emotional things. I have this fearlessness and this ability to handle everyone's emotionality so I can use that to better society and I can use that as part of my purpose rather than thinking that there's something wrong with me or feeling unmet so that is what it's like to be Erin <laughs> I hope you have enjoyed this dive into these particular labels I hope that you have gained something from this and if so I'm super curious to know what you are taking away, what really hit the spot, what didn't really answer questions. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me in many, many ways. Instagram is my favorite. So come on, follow me. Come on, come on over. <laughs> come on over to Instagram, follow me there and reach out and let me know what your takeaways were, what your questions are. And I invite you just to share this podcast with anyone that came to mind. If someone that you think might benefit from understanding this about themselves. Maybe they will benefit in understanding you better with this information. I really invite you to share this podcast. So thank you so much for joining me and I cannot wait to see you in the next episode. <laughs>